0: This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by Ape Entertainment, who's proud to present the return of Drew Hayes' Poison Elves, coming to a comic shop near you this March. <laughs> hey, this is comic book rapper Adam Warrock, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt.
1: Oof. Yeah. Perfect. Sort of break it, break it down like this.
0: Welcome to episode 107 of THN Where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday March 13th, my name is Matt Baum That's at Matt Baum's team on the Twitter And when I'm not dragging the download numbers of the show into the toilet I
1: write the comic speculator blog for wordpoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, that's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter And when I'm not secretly gushing because our slipping downloads obviously mean you guys like me more and are tired of Matt's be mean to Joe shtick. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. It's a comic. Okay. And it's, it's plus good.
0: <laughs> this week, you hear reviews of Batman and Robin 18 and Sledgehammer 44, number one. That's a lot of numbers. After that, we'll review 10 comics faster than the kids can make fun of the new pope for choosing the name
1: Francis, Francis.
0: during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the Micronauts and the now-confirmed Higgs boson particle will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll put on our money green hockey jerseys with gold-embroidered money signs on the chest and make one comic junkie's day. The comic pushers are back, y'all, but... The four undercover IRS agents storm the ziggurat after black smoke rises from the chimney, signifying the burning of important tax documents. Let's have a moment of silence. For Damon Damien for Damon Wayne. Damon (laughs) Wayne, For Damien Wayne. Done! And then we'll call our shots on the next Robin. Joe, who's it gonna be? It's gonna
1: be stupid Harper Row, and that makes me so mad. I think it's gonna be Stephanie. I hope it's Stephanie. Stephanie doesn't exist in the new (laughs) fifty-two.
0: No, they already said she was going to. They had plans for her, remember? Sure they did. You keep up alive, buddy. Who the hell is Harper Rowe? And then we'll talk about this week's big news.
1: This week, digital manga platform and retailer J-Manga, manga, 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 it's it's manga. Manja. J-Manga announced that they will be be discontinuing their service completely after just two years of operation. J Manga will allow readers to redeem their in- I can't stop laughing. J Mango will allow readers to redeem their in-app currency until March 26th and will cease operations completely on March 30th. While the company will issue users refunds for any unused points in the form of Amazon gift cards, there is no plan in place to allow readers to retain their past purchases via download or any other means. This means, of course, that when May 30th hits, everything that J Manga's customers have spent their money to enjoy will simply cease to be. This may not seem especially relevant to some of you. Matt and I certainly aren't digital manga fans either. However, this news may have scarier implications than it seems, especially in the wake of Comixology's recent crash. So, Matt, is this a wake up call to digital comics fans?
0: No. And here's why. Because. All this does is encourage us, even more, to steal our comics.
1: No, it doesn't. It absolutely
0: does. If you're a digital comics fan and you have these places that are going under, you're losing money, is that going to make you want to invest in another one? Or is that going to make you want to get on a torrent site and steal your comics?
1: But when we're talking about, quote-unquote, another one, we're talking about an actual app provided by DC Comics or Marvel Comics.
0: Or Comixology, which is the big dog. Well, and even DC and Marvel, they both work through Comixology. The DC I mean, those are Comixology apps. And honestly... I'm not going to name sites and stuff like that because I want to help anyone out, but you want to get on and search all this week's comics? You can certainly find a complete download. So let
1: me get this straight. You are encouraging our listeners no. to steal their comics No, the I am internet. not
0: doing that. What I'm saying is this, stuff like this, is what encourages people to steal now, stuff they had, rather than buy They
1: it. may have had some weird business practices that people didn't catch on with. Sure, whatever. Or whatever, but... Uh, the point is, whether, this is not to slam digital comics. The, I mean, digital comics are going to happen no matter what.
0: It's true, and I like digital comics. And at comics. this
1: point, I think that uh, DC and Marvel, at the very least, and probably Image and Dark Horse, they are, it's in their best interest to make sure that digital uh, providers don't fail.
0: It's also in their best interest to make a foolproof and very easy way for people to get this stuff. Yeah. Like what iTunes did. Because you could say... I mean, there's way more music that gets downloaded any day of the week, but iTunes is still making plenty of money and no danger of going under. Sure. What they need to do is come up with one format that works, that's easy, that everybody can play ball in.
1: Right, and I don't mean to slam digital comics. This is just to say that the system is not yet perfected.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: Because if the worst happened and Comicsology went under or there was some sort of terrible... He, A
0: Y2K event. What if
1: uh, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant from Die Hard, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, came and attacked all of the internets and crashed the Comicsology server? Shut it all down. Right.
0: And Bruce Willis had to call Kevin Smith to get his digital comics yeah. back.
1: Uh, then those comics, as it stands now you'd all be screwed.
0: Right. Which, again, I go back to what I am saying, it encourages you to steal them so you can own them.
1: I just think it's a, it's a... I don't think it's an encouragement to steal because we would never say something as irresponsible as that. I... <laughs> but it is a sign, I think, that these companies need to get their shit together. Yeah,
0: they need to figure it out. And
1: come up with a way to let people get ownership of those comics. Yes. No one would ever say... I mean, that... Digital comics right now is like is, is it's the equivalent of saying my comic store went out of business and so my comic shop manager that of uh, the store I've been going to for thirty years came, came over, over, to, over my to my house. house and lit my collection yeah. on fire. <laughs> right, That's that's ludicrous, and nobody would ever suggest a. But at such the same thing.
0: time, they're terrified to free themselves of the DRM, so that the problem the though stuff could be traded as you at have will. so
1: eloquently pointed out is that that problem is already in place. Yes, uh, there's nothing stopping pirate pirates from putting these comics online. No, and whatever you know, arcane DRM or whatever. That it it doesn't work. That keeps them in the cloud, right? Is not foolproof. And Apple already figured it out.
0: It doesn't work.
1: I just think it's a scary thing. And, And if I if I were a digital only customer, I would definitely think twice about pouring a ton of money. So either the option is make it DRM free, so people can actually download the files. Or make and them make so it,
0: cheap that make it doesn't it easy matter to get as well. Yeah, you know, or I mean,
1: make them so cheap that it doesn't matter if it goes under. You just re-download them all three, which is something I know that they're worried about doing because of the direct market. And of I hate to, I mean, and I don't want the direct market to go under either. I, and I don't think it but does. It, it's it's something that needs to get figured out sooner rather than later because uh, just because Comixology is so huge now, I mean, they proved last week. Marvel put out an offer that was too good to pass up and instantly crashed the program. Yeah. Which is a big deal. Yeah. that kind of stuff just can't happen to these people that are investing in digital comics. And now and I also wanted to point out that this doesn't have anything to do with people producing original digital content like Monkey Brain and Thrillbent. That's, you know, original webcomic content. Oh, right, right. Yeah. We're talking specifically of digital versions of comics like that are this week's new comics available that are on the print. shelf
0: that are made available digitally yeah. the same day. Stuff like that. So, after a rocky tenure at Marvel and DC, writer Jay Michael Straczynski is returning to create her own comics and restarting his Joe's Comics imprint and restarting his Joe's Comics imprint at Image Comics while he's at it. The flagship title of the new Joe's Comics will be the crime horror series Ten Grand, launching in May with art by Ben Templesmith, who we both like. Mm-hmm. Ten Grand is a story of a mob enforcer named Joe Fitzgerald. Jewish? <laughs> who falls in love and pledges to give up a life of crime
1: after the fabled one last job. You think Jewish people can't be in the mafia?
0: Uh, uh, you know, I mean, theres I'm sure there's some. Most of them are lawyers, probably. When that last job gets his girlfriend killed and sees Joe near death slipping into hell, he's given an offer he can't refuse from the angelic host of heaven. Spend an eternity in righteous service in exchange for five minutes in paradise with his dead love each time he's killed and resurrected. Ten grand, along with any future Joe's comics titles, will be published in the style of TV seasons with a two or three or month gap in between 12 issue arcs. JMS hopes this will help all of his new titles stay on time. Something that was definitely a problem with Joe's comics in the past. So, is this good news? Or are we excited about the new comics from a divisive character like JMS, who I would like to add may not even finish them.
1: I think this is good news. We both liked his creator owned stuff. I think Straczynski does his best Midnight work. Midnight Nation. Yeah. I think he Rising does his best Stars. work when he's playing in his
0: own sandbox.
1: Yeah, and I think that this is uh, this is good news because I like the guy as a writer. I just don't want him writing my main characters, <laughs> my superhero characters. Yeah.
0: No, I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: And I think ten grand sounds awesome. It sounds cool, and I think he'll
0: he'll do great and he's gonna attract big name artists to work with him. And Image Comics is a great place for him where he can do whatever the hell he wants.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a good plan to yeah. do the 12 on, take a break, refresh, and then go to the next arc.
0: I think so, too. This is this will be fun.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The first one comes out, I think they said, in May. Yes. So, love Ben Smith. hell of a guy, friend of the show. Yeah, I'm calling it. nice guy. Yeah. And finally, following the dramatic and apparently controversial conclusion of Death of the Family... Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo plan on taking Batman all the way back to Year Zero. The Batman creative team will launch an epic 11-part storyline called The Year Zero in June. According to Snyder, this won't simply be a New 52 version of Batman's iconic origin. Rather, the storyline will focus on how Bruce Wayne actually became Batman, including how he built the Batcave, Bruce's first encounter with a supervillain, etc. etc. Snyder promises that The Year Zero will neither retread nor take apart Frank Miller's iconic year one, and that, quote, we tried to preserve as much of Batman's history as we could. Tried. Being, that is a really problematic yeah. <laughs> quote. <laughs> it's likely that the Riddler will play a role in the story, as well as the Red Hood Gang, which appeared in September's Batman Number 0. Matt, do you think there's still material to mine from Batman's history, or will this just be a rehash of stories that have been done to death?
0: I don't think it's a rehash, and I think... Honestly, DC would have been better served by a huge chunk of their relaunch had they set everything to year zero, where we're saying, we're all starting over. This is where we're at. This is who these characters are. I, and I trust Scott Snyder. I think this will be fun. I think he's going to have a slightly different take on where Batman is, updated, whatever. But I think it's going to be good, and I think Superman would probably be in a much better place had they started there.
1: Uh, I mean, I understand why why they had to start with Batman already being Batman. I mean, I get it. I, I get, get it why too. they didn't just start over too. from scratch. But I think that this is fun. Uh, I was talking with a customer, uh, my buddy Shane, who is a listener of the show, and he asked, "Have they ever done stories like uh, not like the death of his parents, but the stuff that took place after where he went to train?" And, like, the stuff leading up to him actually putting on the suit. And I thought about it, and they have done something yeah. like that. In the early 80s, they did a series, Untold Legend of the Batman, by Jim Aparo, which was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was completely uh, awesome. It's a little, bit, it's a little bananas because it's pre-crisis, and there's a lot of weird stuff about... Oh, uh, remember in Batman and Robin? Uh, Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin, where... Um, no, Batman R.E.P where the guy shows up, Dr. Hurt, and we think he's Thomas Wayne. Oh, right, right. And he's dressed in that weird Batman costume. Yeah. That comes from Untold Legend of the Batman. Okay, yeah. That is a... I remember now. It was a Halloween costume that Thomas Wayne wore, and he was kidnapped by a mobster who wanted him to remove a bullet. He refused, and that's what got the Waynes killed. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's a great story, but I don't think they've really touched on stuff like that, and I think there's a lot of, of... Potential in stories like how did he get his stuff? How did he build the Batcave?
0: No, there's a never-ending, I mean, well that you can draw from there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: How did Liam Neeson train him to be a fighter? I hope you know that kind of stuff. I hope Richard Dragon trained him. Richard Dragon, Kung Fu fighter. Yeah, I loved. I loved
0: (laughs) it when Chuck Dixon had him like Batman, like training with Richard Dragon. then. oh, loved
1: it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think that this sounds like a ton of fun. I I like well thought out. Well paced origin stories That fill in a lot of the gaps And don't just like fart 10 years worth of story Into four issues
0: Right or just completely rewrite things Without paying any attention
1: And hopefully This will maybe clear up a little bit The whole how long has he been Batman Versus how many Robins he's had Yeah five years right Five. Yeah yeah, (laughs) five years (laughs) Sticking to that New 52 timeline
0: That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where you can get a sneak peek at our own origin story in THN Year Zero where a young, spry, Christian kid helps his angry, young, whippet-addicted friend find true love through comic books.
1: That's so touching. Right? That's us. I was addicted to whippets. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's
0: a serious addiction. I get it. Each week, the guy I call my personal god particle, Joe Patrick, Post the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and we not only read your responses, but if you call us on the damn Skype, our Skype name is Two-Headed Nerd, and leave us a message, we will play them all on the new Answer of the Week audio blog, exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe Patrick, what are we asking these nerds this week?
1: This week's question was, what is your favorite year one story or retelling of a classic origin story? If you want to hear us making fun of your answers, along with our own uninformed responses, Go to editnerd.com and check out the unedited, not safe for Steve Wacker's answer of the week audio blog. Nicely
0: done. Right
1: now. <laughs> or, wait, no, it's on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. This Wednesday. Wednesday.
0: It's review time here again on THN, where each week, Joe Patrick and I grab a couple funny books, pull their pants down, and check their purple parts for any foreign growth. Joe Patrick, any lumps in your read this week?
1: The only lumps were the lumps in my throat. Ooh. My pick of the week was Batman and Robin number 18 from DC Comics, written by Peter J. Tomasi. That's what we're calling him now. Pencils by Pat Gleason and inks by Mick Gray. Here's your solicit. It's only one or two sentences here. You dare not miss this issue. It's the Batman and Robin story of the year. And normally I'd make fun of it. But I think that's actually pretty accurate. Okay, now
0: here's... Yeah. I mean, okay. But when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to introduce a new Robin. Oh,
1: no, no, no. no. (laughs) I was going to make a big spoiler warning here, but Matt went ahead and ruined it in the intro for the show. So, f*** it. Damien's dead. Uh, If you haven't read Batman Incorporated number eight, I'm really sorry. Uh, But let's be honest, DC has been actively trying... To spoil this issue for you since before it was even released. And all the bat titles say Requiem right on the there cover. There are full page and s- have robins. There are full <laughs> page ads in the DC comics that say R.I.P. Damien yeah, or whatever. I mean, he's dead. <laughs> in memory of Damien Wayne.
0: In memory of Damon
1: Wayans. <laughs> in memory of Damon, <laughs> <laughs> Damon Wayans. Wayans, R.I.P. Uh, uh Damien, of course, was killed by the forces of Leviathan in uh this month's Batman Incorporated number eight. Batman and Robin 18 is one of many Requiem issues hitting the stands this month. Not only does it do the best job so far of handling the aftermath of Damien's death, but it's the best issue of Tomasi and Gleason's run on the title to date, and definitely the best comic I've read this week, period. Agreed. This issue is completely silent, without dialogue or sound effects even, Mm -hmm. so Gleason and Gray have to do the heavy lifting, conveying Tomasi's script without the benefit of words to cover up any lackluster storytelling. Luckily, the two are at the top of their game, especially Mick Gray, whose inks do a masterful job of adding moody atmosphere to Gleason's pencils. The storytelling in this issue is amazing. Bruce's sense of loss, and Alfred's too for that matter, is palpable. Uh, as is his growing rage, as his memories of the son he's lost drive him to take out his anger on Gotham City itself, as well as the criminals that inhabit it, this is the first time in a long time that an image of Batman has been as truly intimidating as the script is describing him to be. Uh, I know that Batman is supposed to be scary, because the comic tells me so, but this issue, (laughs) Gleason's Batman is just terrifying, sometimes even without the cape and cowl. This issue hit me right in the gut. It's heartbreaking and beautiful and scary all at once. Damien's death may or may not be permanent, but if all comic deaths were handled like this, I think we'd take them a lot more seriously. I can't recommend this highly enough. I give it a strong buy it.
0: I totally agree. I I can't agree more. In fact, right after I read this, I texted Joe and I said, this might be a perfect comic book. It was incredible Yeah And I sat with it, it I, A lot of people go Well a silent book You means how long it takes take to read I sat with this one for a while Oh I
1: like I I poured over
0: every yeah. panel I went page by page And just sort of sat with it This was an excellent death Very well handled And this was a perfect aftermath issue And this is what we needed In these Requiem issues We'll go into it a little bit In Ludicrous Speed Round When we touch on Some of the other Requiem issues That yeah. came out this week But this one Perfect Absolutely. This is exactly how this sort of thing should be handled. And it highlights an artist like Pat Gleason, who is wildly talented. It highlights his art so well. You can tell he poured his guts
1: into this one. Right.
0: And it is beautiful to look at, man.
1: And that's not the I mean that's not to discount I want to make sure that the inker Mick Gray gets his due as no, well it, because he's fantastic. it is it is so much uh something that's greater than the sum of its parts. Those two work together to produce just beautiful, beautiful
0: pages. Absolutely. He's been making Tomasi look great for a while now, though. Yeah. That that guy is super talented. Yeah. Pick this one. Well, Mick
1: Grave was a longtime inker for uh, J.H. Williams III, so that ought to tell you something. That helps. Certainly. Matt, what did you review this week? Was it as sad as this one? It was so
0: sad. I read Sledgehammer 44, number one, <laughs> written by Mike McNola and John Arcudi with art by Jason Latour. Here's your solicit. It's August 1944. A man in a suit of armor drops from an American warplane onto a French battlefield where he attempts to fight his way through an army of Nazis and the massive war machine they keep protected in an armory. So, right off the bat, my first question here was Does this take place in the Hellboy BPRD universe? The answer is probably. Yeah. There's nothing here as far as like character crossover or even mention to give it away, but like the rest of the Magnolia's Dark Horse universe, the tone is extremely similar.
1: And there's also nothing to preclude it from yeah, being Yeah, that's part what of I'm it. saying.
0: There was nothing that didn't that definitely set it apart. Right. We don't get any background on the sledgehammer here, but instead we meet it, and my question is, is it human? We'll, we'll touch on I why mean, it's we'll a man in
1: a suit of armor, it says. Well, we'll get
0: to that. We meet it through the eyes of a group of US soldiers, send in as backup for what is officially being called Project Epimetheus. Yeah. For those of you who didn't major in Greek mythology, Epimetheus was the brother of Prometheus, the guy who stole fire from the gods and gave it to the humans. And he's characterized as foolish and lacking foresight and the one who accepted the gift of Pandora from the gods. Mm. What this has to do with Sledge, I have no idea. We'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) Maybe nothing. We don't learn much about the character other than it has some kind of electric attack that reduces Nazis to dust, and there might not be a person inside. Why do you say that? Because we see the soldiers looking inside oh yeah they look inside the, the there's like a, his pieces. yeah they're looking in his eyepieces and another like little glass piece on his back and there's no body in there so i don't know if it's a ghost that's
1: piloting the armor sort of like uh johan
0: johan thank you from bprd maybe it's
1: a spirit animating a suit of armor
0: could be i'm not sure I'm also not sure if Sledgehammer was designed by Mignola or Latour both, but I really like the look of the character. He's like this cross between the first Iron Man armor and the Destroyer armor. The character, it's just huge, hulking, armored suit. And he does wear a shirt and pants which leads the reader to believe there is something human going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Latour's art is beautiful as usual, but it's a little more stripped down and it gives a comic a really nice Silver Age war feel. His characters are very human and it's expressive as ever, but he goes out of his way to give them some cartoony features like a really pointed nose or huge eyeglasses that totally reminded me of like old Silver Age war books like Our Army at War and Mm. stuff like that. I'm going
1: to tell you what. I didn't... There's something bothered me about the art, and I think it was, uh, like, the weird noses. See, I think he was
0: going for this 70s, Silver Age war feel, and he made it a little more cartoony. It was he, cartoony for sure, but... absolutely did. I, I don't think it
1: fit with the rest of the art.
0: I, I don't know. It didn't bother me at all. In fact, I thought it just really worked here. Fair and enough. Maybe it's, maybe it's also with help of the coloring, By Dave Stewart, who's just amazing. But this looked like a classic war book to me. Fair enough. The sequence where we see Sledge first fire his electric weapon is just masterfully executed and along with the colors of dave stewart who goes as far as to completely white out the panels with crackling energy coming off of the armor it was just amazing looking and you see it from the point of view of the other soldiers who are given these goggles that they don't know what they're supposed to use them for because yeah. they don't even understand what's happening with this thing and when he starts sparking up they'll put him on real quick like oh my god and then their voices disappear into the white as well suggests we suggested it's super loud when this weapon goes off too it was very very cool looking this is it's a great war comic but it's not just a war comic it's got a creepy mignola-esque twist think spooky iron man in world war ii and if you've been intimidated by jumping into hellboy or bprd due to just the sheer amount of catch-up reading this could be a really good title for you again i'm not positive that it takes place in that same world but i'm pretty <laughs> sure it does that said gigantic buy it this is going to be a ton of fun i really enjoyed it
1: yeah, I I agree. Uh, I do have some reservations about the art. Other other than the characteristics of the human characters, I thought the art was gorgeous. Uh, Jason Lentour is very talented, and of course with Dave Stewart helping you out,
0: hard to go about wrong about it. Yeah. Uh,
1: other than that, though, I, I really like the concept. I love the story. I love the mystery of is there a guy in there? Is it supernatural? Mm-hmm. Is it just a robot? You know what's happening? It's a shame that this is only two issues. But Oh, I bet we see more. Yeah, I, I think this is the sort of thing that will pop up again. Like Baltimore was the same thing. It sure. started off
0: as one issue, and then yeah, all of a sudden we've got Baltimore minis absolutely. everywhere.
1: I'm giving this one a buy-it as well.
0: So that's a double buy-it for Batman and Robin 18, and a double buy-it for Sledgehammer 44, number one. Of course, we want to know what you morning crime fighters and armor golems thought of these comics, so write your condolences over at the comments section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com.
1: Inspired by a Sledgehammer 44 and sick of the late winter weather, Matt and I have hijacked a vintage B-32 Dominator from our local Strategic Air Command Museum, and we'll be flying to this weekend's Megacon in beautiful, sunny downtown Orlando, where, upon arrival, we'll open the bomb bay doors and ride an antique and hopefully disarmed bomb down into the Orange County Convention Center, Dr. Strangelove style, while reviewing 10 comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Girl, number 18 from D.C.
0: Ray Fox jumps on as a writer for this two-part story about Babs and her psycho baby brother James. This is another Requiem title, but not a must-read, as the only mention of Robin's death is during a phone call from James Gordon Sr. Art wasn't particularly impressive here, but the writing was fairly strong.
1: I'm going to read the next one.
0: Giving it a skimming.
1: Buddy Cops, one shot from Dark Horse. Uh, this is a standalone issue, again, reprinted from stuff that appeared in Dark Horse Presents. I didn't even know that. I didn't either. Uh, the art is by Evan Shaner, who is an artist I follow on Twitter. Is I've been Shanier? Shaner, S-H-A-N-E-R. Okay. Uh, I've been following, on, following him on Twitter for years now uh, to various art blogs and things like that. He's an amazing artist, and this is a hilarious comic. It's about a intergalactic space cop that gets demoted to the NYPD and his 1970s janitor android that can only follow the letter of the law, and they hate each other's guts and their partners. It's so funny. It's three short stories, only great in comics, art,
0: folks. Only in comics. Huge buy
1: it for me. I want more of this right now. Ultimate Comics Wolverine number one from Marvel.
0: Cullen Bunn writes The Ultimate Adventures of James and his son Jimmy, which I still think is funny to say out loud. David (laughs) Messina is on art, and I love his Star Trek work at IDW, but I didn't love it here. Wolvie's chasing a group called Mothervine that's trying to kill a senator, and Jimmy's looking for his dad. Not bad writing, I just don't care about the ultimate you anymore. That
1: said. weak, skim it. Borderline, leave it. Stick to your guns. Leave it! Wolverine, number one from Marvel! It's a Wolverine week! But this one is by Paul Cornell and Alan Davis. I love Paul Cornell, especially from his work at Marvel on Captain Britain and MI-13.
0: We touched on that last week.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Alan Davis is a legendary artist that I love and Matt hates. I don't hate it. Whatever. That said, this issue was, it seemed very small. Yeah. Very run-of-the-mill and ordinary, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But not a good place to launch a number one issue. It's weird that it's like a hyped uh, relaunch number one. But the story is just like, this read like it should have been Wolverine Volume 1, number 73. Yeah, exactly. Right? But right. this is, no, this is number one of like, a new. Oh, online. crap, the big
0: name quit, and we need a good fill in. No,
1: no, 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 no. Like, I don't want to <laughs> downgrade it in that way because it is good and it's well drawn. It's just. It was just, fine. It was fine. It's just that the tone of it, like the, the heft of it, doesn't match. Uh, the marketing of it, and it clashes. Give me a rating. I'm giving it a It. I'm going to keep with it, but I love these creators, but it's not super special. Didn't grab me. Batman number 18 from DC.
0: This is another Requiem issue, and uh, you know what? i got to agree with you, Joe Patrick. First issue of Scott Snyder's Batman that I just felt kind of meh about. Yeah. I mean, really? It's, this was spinning your wheels, and I really... I don't want to say I didn't care for it, but even Andy Cooper who's on Art, who I normally
1: really like, didn't do much fun. Oh, no, I thought Andy Cooper did great. I thought he was fine. And it had art by Alex Malieve in the backup. That's true, that's true. Who hasn't done work for DC since No Man's Land. Uh, he, in fact, he created uh, the design for the Cassandra Kane Batgirl. Oh, true that's true right, that's right. But they are really shoving this Harper Rose stuff down our throats. Yeah. And every time I see that character, I get white hot Blind with Rage. I don't get White Hot Blind with Rage. I just don't care. Skim it. Fearless Defenders, number two from Marvel. <laughs> uh, this issue, uh, I, I wanted to try it again. I know I wasn't thrilled about the first one. This one took a little while to get going, but now that I kind of see what's happening, I liked it a little better. Uh, the art by Will Sliney is still not that great. I don't like it. Um, that said, the story did hook me a little bit more. I'm giving it a skim it. It's not a leave it, it's a skim it. Fair enough. Grim Fairy Tales St. Patrick's Day special from Xenoscope. I think it's Xenoscope. Xenoscope.
0: Warwick Davis, eat your heart out. There's a scary sharp-toothed leprechaun here.
1: <laughs>
0: making I'm a- the leprechaun! Making all kinds of sex jokes and killing folks. Not to mention... Terrible art, bad coloring, and everything you've come to expect from the good people at Scope. I don't mean to downplay it all, but you're yet to impress me, guys. Leave it. So
1: Age of Ultron number two from Marvel. Second issue in two weeks, and for another $4 spent by you normal people, <laughs> still no clue what's happening. Nope. None. You got, you got 12 issues, buddy. Or 10 no. issues. Still. You got 10 issues. That's not the point. Wow. That is horrible decompressed. Still early. early. Still early. No, you cannot go this long with just telling the same shit from a different angle over and over. Two issues. Uh, I still it. More, It's more and more pointing towards that there's going to be a big reset button because Black Widow's real messed up. <sighs> Who am I kidding? I'm still going to keep buying it, or reading it at least. This one is tough to recommend. I'm giving it a skin it. Buy it for me. Spawn 229
0: from Image. I have not checked into Spawn for at least 228 issues. Uh, not <laughs> bad art at all here by... S. Zymon Kudransky. <laughs> Zyman. Zyman Kudransky. Zyman, But definitely some recycling going on. In fact, he used the same picture three times on one damn page. You can do that, but you've got to pull it off right. This it was solicited as a new story arc, but I admit, I had no clue what was going on. And there was no setup page to bring you up to speed either. This one is everything. A guy who might not know he's a fund vampires, child molesters. And, well, everything but a frame of reference. <laughs> Leave
1: it. Aliens versus Parker, number one from Boom. Uh, this is a new kind of comedy sci-fi series. It's uh, co-written by Paul Shear, who you may recognize from The League. He's and the How Did This Get Made podcast. How Did This Get Made podcast. He's also on the Adult Swim show. He's N- Andre on The League. N T N- S D. He's yelling from the other room. SVU Whatever that is.
0: N-T-S-D-S-V-U. It was
1: great. N-S-F-W. That said, this does read like a comic book written by a celebrity comedian. Oh, really? (laughs) Which is not a compliment. I didn't read it. I didn't read Uh, it. The story is fun. It's about FedEx guys in space that are bored and uh, decide to snoop uh, where they shouldn't be and get wrapped up in a crazy alien adventure. You should
0: mention it's not the Ridley Scott
1: alien. No, no, no. And nor is it that Parker. It's not Parker the Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) This
0: is not aliens versus Parker the Hunter.
1: Uh but uh, there's a lot of weird dialogue uh, problems and things that i think that may have been funny spoken aloud don't normally uh, don't uh, equally fit on the printed page i'm still going to read the next one it like i said it was cute uh, but not that great i'm giving it a skimming.
0: stick to your day job <laughs> on oh,
1: is your ludicrous speed round and scree is the sound made by a leprechaun flipping a garbage truck as seen in this week's grim fairy tale saint patty's day special
0: at least i think that's what happened it was kind of disjointed
1: the garbage truck flipped over and went scree no there's he's like yelling. like it
0: was he's yelling at a hot chick there's a sound effect and then the next panel there's like an upside down garbage truck <laughs> it was kind of storytelling yeah <laughs> With the final confirmation of the Higgs boson particle becoming official this week, Joe and I thought this would be the perfect time to invite our friends Bug and Acroyear to the Sanctum Sanctorum, where a splash of pim particles in our scotch will reduce us to microscopic size for a dinner of God particles, which will not only solve a bunch of physics issues, like why atoms have weight, but also get a microscopic dude super f***ed up. And, thanks to their quantum instability, will allow us to briefly exist, both now and next Wednesday. Wow. Giving us a glance at next week's comics. I know my physics, suckers. Science bitches. Joe, what
1: looks good to you next week? My pick for next week is Action Comics number 18 from DC by Grant Morrison, Rags Morales, and Brad Walker. This is the conclusion of Grant Morrison's 18-month epic run on Action Comics. Would you call it epic or bonkers? Bonkers, around on action <laughs> Bonkers
0: colors. works a little better.
1: I won't lie; I stopped reading halfway. It's been up and down and up. And I'm gonna down. get caught up for the for the fans. It's just yeah, for the kids, for the kids, for the kids. Um, I need to know how it ends. I need to know how he, like, what condition he leaves things in for Andy Diggle. <laughs> no doubt. And uh, I'm just real curious about about uh, catching up on this one and seeing what he does. Fair enough, Matt what are you interested in next week
0: next week I'm excited for extermination number one written by David Lapham with art by David Lopez here's your solicit the X dash termination event starts here joining together the teams from astonishing x-men age of apocalypse and extreme x-men <laughs> Three books that I believe are all canceled.
1: (laughs) No, Astonishing X-Men, soldiers
0: on. That's right. Astonishing X-Men still exists somehow. And spinning out of the pages of Uncanny X-Force, this is Nightcrawler from the Age of Apocalypse turning on Wolverine and the X-Men and doing something really, really bad. Now, I admit, Extreme X-Men kind of sucked. I don't give a crap about Astonishing X-Men, but the Age of Apocalypse book that David Lapham wrote was a lot of fun, and I'm actually sorry to see it go. I think this is going to be a good time.
1: The THN trade paperback pick of the week for Wednesday, March 20th, is the maximum minimum wage hardcover from Image Comics. Written and illustrated by Bob Fingerman, this book collects the acclaimed indie miniseries focusing on the bleak, boring, and uncomfortable workaday lives of Rob and Sylvia. If you enjoy shows that make you squirm and get under your skin like Louie and Girls then this is a must-read. Seek it out on the shelves of your local comic shop next Wednesday. You may be wondering why I didn't pick The Massive Volume 1. Well, I didn't see it on the list. So
0: there, Keith Silva. That's my pick for next week. (laughs) And of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week, so be sure to tell us what your own quantum entanglement has you excited for over at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash... Two-headed nerd. What's
1: wrong with you? Why can't I can, you just I, read it? I look
0: at the slash. And just I say, let it just
1: say, forward, s- backward. Just say slash. I don't know why it confounds me so. Before we move on, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. The Two-Headed Nerd ComicCast, was brought to you by Ape Entertainment. Since
0: 2003, Ape has been bringing readers original and licensed comics and graphic novels like Pocket Gods, Strawberry Shortcake, and the upcoming return of Drew Hayes' Poison Elves, which continues the saga where it abruptly ended back in 2007. Look for Poison Elves in this month's previews catalog on page 244, and pre-order your copy today. Check out ape-entertainment.com for more. Thanks again to Ape Entertainment for sponsoring T.H. And if you'd like more information about sponsoring the show, send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com with the subject line, sponsorship.
1: Cruising down the street in my six-fold. Jocking the nerds, slapping the hoes. Went to the comic shop to get the scoop. Knuckleheads there, cold sorting some dupes. A car pulls up, who can it be? A fresh spider buggy rolled Jack Kirby. He rolls down his window and he started to say, It's all about drawing a page a day. Damn! What? That was the best one yet! <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said a
0: car pulls up. <laughs> Mothers, hide your children! Cause the product slinging players, the comic pushers, are back. Looking to make some new addicts. This week, a scrawny rat soup eating mother named Tim Flieger writes, I was an avid reader of comics in the muscle-bound, absurdly large, gun-toting, freewheeling early 90s i don't recall them being freewheeling free
1: love early
0: 90s (laughs) at the time i read a lot of x-men and x4 stuff as well as some of the early image and valiant comics like spawn savage dragon exo manoir bloodshot and a few kung fu comics after a long lull with a few failed attempts to get back into comics i jumped back in about six months ago in parentheses thanks in large to your show that's what we do you're welcome and have been pleasantly surprised i'm sorry (laughs) by some of the great titles that came out while I was on the wagon. I recently burned through Preacher, Why the Last Man, Watchmen, and Batman Year One. I also recently caught up on The Walking Dead, probably my favorite comic right now, and I've been enjoying Chew and the Batman reboot. I'm looking for some more comics that take place in a self-contained universe where I don't have to follow multiple storylines in other books. And he goes on to say that he's into science fiction and historical revisionism. Joe Patrick what are we throwing at Tim Flieger here?
1: Well, with that last line, I'm gonna give him my old standby, which is Transmetropolitan. Okay, that's one of those books along the in the same breath as Preacher. Why the Last Man? Right,
0: he did mention some like classic vertical like, stuff. If so you read go, those
1: books, you need to read Transmetropolitan. That would go especially hand in hand. if you're hand a sci-fi hand. fan. Definitely. Uh, I would also give him. Though it's not in a self-contained universe per se, the immortal Iron Fist trades because he loves the Kung Fu comics, or right. he did,
0: and it did really take place within its own. And it was
1: self-contained, even though it did uh, work in the Marvel universe. And also, Hawkeye, the current Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction. Yeah, because you David don't. Aja.
0: You don't need to read anything
1: else. Yes, all you need to know is that Hawkeye is that guy you saw in the movie. This is what happens when he's not running around with the Hulk. Fair enough. And both of those books are by the same creative teams, or at the very least, uh, Matt Fraction and David Aja worked on both books, and both are wonderful examples of Marvel characters done right without all of the baggage. True. To to Ab- no absolutely keep a new absolutely. reader out. Uh, I would also say, though, it is much f- more firmly placed in the Marvel universe. I think Mark Wade's Daredevil is worth reading.
0: Yeah. Uh if you absolutely. like the Batman
1: reboot, you absolutely. know, it's not that you can't hang in a superhero universe. Mark Wade's Daredevil builds on everything that came before but doesn't dwell on it. So you don't need to know everything that happened. You Fair only enough. need to know that this guy Matt Murdock went through some shit, and now he's kind of living in denial. <laughs> uh and it's all three of those books are great Marvel series that take place in the larger Marvel universe without being beholden to it. And those would be my first recommendations to Tim. What about you, Matt Bomb? I'm going to go
0: with Jonathan Hickman's Manhattan Projects. And I'm basing this on his love of science fiction, like he said, historical revisionism. It doesn't get much more science fiction and historically revisionist (laughs) than hickman's manhattan project pretty much it's fun it's terrifying it's wacky it's just wonderful stuff
1: and we recommend that a lot we recommend that we recommend you know Transmet a lot so something that we don't recommend that i don't think we've ever mentioned on the show uh that fits both those categories as well is jonathan hickman's pax romana
0: oh yeah that's another good really good one as far as speaking historical revisionism I would also throw out Warren Ellis's name as far as a guy that does really creepy, fun sci-fi. He did a bunch of stuff at Image that's been great, including Ministry of Space, which was tons of fun. Sort of what if Great Britain won the space race? Sure. Took a long time to finish. Oh, planetary. But when it did finally finish, it was wonderful. I would also throw his planetary in there, which we talked about at length last month. No.
1: Uh, I think it was we It was, last, it. Week it in was the, last week in the That's answer right. of the week, yeah.
0: We talked about it quite a bit there. I'd also throw out his super god that he did for Avatar, which was sort of like a, a nuclear weapons race. But instead of building nuclear weapons, each nation had built a super-powered person.
1: Yeah, super beings.
0: And they all turned on them in really bad ways. But like, as far as creepy sci-fi and kind of real-world sci-fi stuff... You really can't go. Yeah, wrong it's with not Lauren a
1: world Ellis. where, like, you know, there are caped adventurers out there already. And kind of real world sci fi stuff. You really can't go. Yeah, wrong it's with not Lauren a world Ellis. where, like, you know, there are caped adventurers out there already. Humanity going too far.
0: Right. And Ellis is just a master at this creepy sci fi stuff. I can't throw it. In. in fact,. You could go pick up anything that he did at Image, and they were all a lot of fun, all very self-contained stories, and most of which are collected and still out there right now. Yeah, yeah. You can find a lot of them in trade paperback. Also, based on some of your love for the Vertigo stuff, I would throw out Brian Wood's DMZ. It was just widely underappreciated. It was an incredible story, and it's over. It's finished. He's working on The Massive now, which I also suggest. We mentioned The Massive uh, Volume 1 paperback is out definitely worth picking up this week i think you would love it as far as real world stories dmz and the massive both are set in the near future dmz takes place where militias have basically
1: pushed the united states government all the way back there there was a second american civil war right and new york city and the area surrounding it is a demilitarized zone
0: whereas the massive is a story about a ship and its crew that it's looking for its sister ship in the near future where the earth is basically just befallen an amazing environmental like apocalypse disaster yeah <laughs> i mean
1: like a real world environmental meltdown
0: right and what it's like to be an environmentalist in a future where the environment has all but collapsed and and s-
1: society along with it in a lot of places
0: both of which are just wonderful i highly suggest those and Tim, if you read any or all of these and you like or hate them, we of course want to hear back from you. Let us know if we're on the right track here.
1: And if you are looking for a new comic series to swallow your hard-earned cash and leave you crawling around in your own sick, send us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com with the subject line, comic pushers, or call us on Skype. Call us. Username, Two-Headed Nerd, one word. Call us. Leave a message. You don't even have to talk to us. That's right. And tell us what you're into, and we'll be happy to make a junkie out of you. Sort of, sort of break it break it down like this. And that is it for the Death
0: of Damon Wayans episode of <laughs> THN, and the Matt is Ruining Our Ratings episode. Poor Damon Wayans. If the sound of my Muppet-like voice and offensive opinions haven't scared you off from downloading yet, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where... If you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating and a written review or a stitcher thumbs up and help us get the news of how good the show really is in spite of me to potential listeners.
1: <laughs> Huge thanks to all of our donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in... In living color VHS tapes for our Damon Wayne's memorial, you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at TwoheadedNerd.com.
0: While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed at TwoheadedNerd, our Skype handle, TwoheadedNerd, and our email, TwoheadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail, leave us a voice message, or ask us to review your self-published comic be it printed, digital, whatever and don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at toediner.com like the full-on slave revolt one-shot show by the League of Not Matt Bombs. One-shot show, if we're lucky. <laughs> they better not keep producing that. <laughs> Aaron, <laughs>
1: you can't even bother yeah. to remember. Aaron
0: Silva and John, John yeah. all got together in their
1: dejected
0: way and recorded their own little show, starring not me.
1: <laughs> it's truly maddening and something to behold. They were so upset that Joe Patrick dumped them. It was adorable. And (laughs) It was his decision. (laughs) And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear even more of your answers and our own, be sure to check out the newly revamped TwoHeadedNerd.com web-exclusive, not safe for Wonder Bros. audio blog, the new and improved answer of the week, now published on Wednesdays. Next week, get ready
0: for Take a Look. It's in a book where we'll be reviewing Alan Moore's Nemo, Heart of Ice from Top Shelf. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our our legend, customer, and faithful listener Andy Peters who went above and beyond the call of duty this week scouring the internet as THN's very own roving reporter cluing us in on the
1: The J-Manja scandal. The J-Manja scandal.
0: Word to you, Andy, and until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the two-headed nerd signing off? J Munja! <laughs>